at the end, I came across a way to give our products a really long shelf life without adding a single preservative in the product. And it wasn't by our intention, but we realized in the end that we created a new way of preserving vegetables that we were able to patent. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. So hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. Today, we're interviewing Jem Misa. She's the founder and CEO of Full Green, which is a plant-based innovation company that makes all kinds of vegetable-based products, most notably a shelf-stable cauliflower rice, but lots of innovative things coming down the pike. And I will let her share that with you as we go through this podcast. So welcome, Jem. It's so great to have you join us today. Hi, Christy. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. So, Jim, can you tell us a little bit about what the products are that you guys make? And then we'll talk about how you got, got started in the first place. Sure. So, Full Green is a, we, we think of ourselves as a plant-based innovation company. Our first range of products that are on quite a lot of uh, retailer shelves at the moment are our shelf-stable rice veggies range. So you will see products like our shelf-stable rice cauliflower, rice broccoli, rice sweet potato, which you can find in the rice aisle of most large retailers around the States. And like I say, I think the great thing about it is because of the fact that we've got a technology that gives it this shelf-stable capability, we're able to sit side by side uh, with all these other rice and grains brands. But we are 100% non-GMO veg with no preservatives. So tell me a little bit about the inspiration for the brand And then I'm going to ask you some specific questions about shelf stability and stuff like that, because that's really interesting. And that makes a big difference, I think, um, when you're thinking about vegetable rices. But I'm curious about how you even started and what the brand story is. So when I, I I guess for you kind of track back a number of years, I started my work life in the corporate world. I started with one of the largest FMCG companies in the world. And it was a great, it was, I think, really, really good experience for me, you know, honing skills in marketing, being able to look at different consumer needs and being able to develop products to cater to those needs. But I think I think like a lot of other entrepreneurs out there, you know, you know, in your heart of hearts that you're meant to be doing something else. And I knew that I wanted to, you know, step away from that and and start my own business. And I've always been interested in food and, and the health food space. So I, we didn't start, Full Green wasn't my first business. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the first idea we had. I, you know, did a number of other businesses, you know, salad dressings, pre-packed salads, again, always in the health food space. But I think the thing that was really, really interesting about Full Green, and I guess it was coming from the experience of these earlier brands that I started, was that I knew that I wanted to create something that had a really positive difference in people's health. And I knew that I wanted to create something that was different from everything else out there, become a first mover and create something that would completely disrupt category and try and, you know, in in my own way, contribute to people's health. And I stumbled upon the, this was in 2012, 
I came across the idea of cauliflower rice. It wasn't being sold yet in supermarkets at the time. And I found it on health food blogs on the internet. And I was so intrigued because the, the whole concept of taking a head of cauliflower and, and cooking it so that it looks and it tastes like rice was just, you know, it, it was super interesting. So my husband and I gave it a try at home and we we're absolutely blown away. We both like food. We, we enjoy big meals with families and, and, you know, rice growing up, rice was a staple in, in my household. And the whole idea that you could substitute this with something that's a vegetable like cauliflower, but still feel like you were having, getting the full meal satisfaction of rice, but without the carbs, the calories, getting extra veg in your meals was absolutely amazing. So that's how we came across the whole idea of cauliflower rice. But then at the time, like I said, no, none of the retailers were doing it yet. It was something that you had to make from scratch. And it was such a hassle. You had to take a cheese grater or a processor and it took 20 minutes of your time and, you know, on top of cooking the rest of dinner and, and everything else that you had to do. But you found that it, I found that it was incredibly inconvenient. And that's where this whole spark came about, thinking that if I could come up with, a, you know, like a, a ready to eat version of this product you know, we would be on our way. So that was the the little light bulb moment that started the company. So, you know, it started with this vision of creating a, uh, a ready-made version of this cauliflower rice, but with, you know, just a, a few differences. One is, you know, cauliflower rice that's that's fresh or even frozen has, it tastes very much like the vegetable. It has, because cauliflower is part of the brassica family and it has this enzyme in it called glucosinolates that the moment you chop it and you cook it, it gives off this quite sulfuric smell and taste that you could detect quite often in, in a lot of these fresh cauliflower rice products out there. What we wanted to do was find a way to naturally remove a lot of this smell and taste so that it would mimic a grain more. So that was one of the things that we wanted to do with a product. But then also the other big thing that I wanted to do with a product was, you know, fresh cauliflower rice would spoil in two days and it would give off, like I said, this really, really strong smell and taste. We wanted to find a way to create a long 12, 18 month shelf life product without adding any preservatives. And with those two things, I, I set off and, and tried, you know, working with, I worked with different food technologies. I tried different methods. It wasn't easy. Like I knew in the back of my head, I, I was so clear that I did not want any preservatives in the product. I wanted it to be hundred percent vegetable. And it took me three years to, <laughs> to. Wow. That's amazing. It. I mean, that's yeah, determination. It's a- it, it is, but it, and it was it wasn't easy because in those three years people were telling me it was impossible to do, you know. But just through trial and error, trying different methods, at the end, you know, I I came across a way to give our products a really long shelf life without adding a single preservative in the product. And it was it wasn't by our intention, but we realized in the end that we created a new way of preserving vegetables that we were able to patent the technology. And uh, so now we have our patent is protected in over 35 countries around the world. And it was, um, you know, it, it's great because it, it then covers so much more. We started with cauliflower rice, but it, it's something that we're able to use for all these other vegetables, all these other products that we're working on in the business. That's so amazing. So first, congratulations on persistence, because 
I think if someone kept telling me for three years, it was impossible. I don't know. I might've believed them at some point. And I'm wondering, I mean, I think this is a really interesting question for people who are listening. Why did you keep believing that it was possible? What made you keep saying, I'm going to figure this out. I know I can and not giving up after all that time. I think that the, I think it was partly influenced by the previous health business, the food businesses that we had. I started, like I said, a salad dressing brand, a pre-packed salad brand, and realized that, and these brands were doing okay. They were getting into all these stores. We were winning all these marketing awards, brand awards. But I think the big frustration I had with those products is it was just another salad dressing, or it was, and, and you knew that if someone was motivated enough they could create, you know, something in their own kitchen that would compete with your product. So for me, the it really highlighted for me the importance of creating something that had a really high technical barrier. But at the same time, also, I think the thing, the other thing that persisted for me is that kept me going on was, you know, looking around at what was happening to, to people around the world and all these uh, health issues that are popping up. I mean, Obesity levels are skyrocketing in the States. You seven out of 10 adults are, are overweight and four out of 10 are obese. We even have 20% of our children, you know, who are obese. It's, 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 these are scary statistics. Diabetes, I think have, the statistics have quadrupled since the eighties and no matter how many, you know, cool exercise brands come out there, it's not cr- making a dent in these statistics. It's not. For, for us, I think the thing that really drove me is I knew that because if you look at obesity and diabetes, like the biggest, one of the biggest contributors to this is our modern day diet. And it's because our modern day diets are very calorific, very high carb, combined with the fact that we are not as active as the generations past. You know, mm-hmm. so we're driving around in cars, we're sitting at our desks the whole day because carbohydrates traditionally have been, they're, they're meant to be to be used by your body as energy. But because people's lives have become so much more sedentary, what happens mm-hmm. is these carbs and calories that you consume start getting stored by your body and converted to fat. And that's where all these health issues arise. So I knew when I when I came across the the this product, cauliflower rice, I knew that this was the perfect, perfect product that could become so relevant in the years to come because of what was happening all around the world. And I think that's what kept me going. Uh, You know, it was difficult. People were, I remember approaching all these manufacturers who were laughing me out of the building going, you know, that's not possible. So unless you want to put preservatives in your product or cook it to death, which vegetables can't can't withstand and they end up turning into soup, it's impossible what you're trying to do. But I I just felt like if we persisted and and came across and managed to succeed, this would be something that could make a really big difference in people's lives. And and I think that's what that's what per, you know just pushed me to to just push on. And now that you've figured it out, is that your experience? Are people starting to understand what you're doing and and really embrace the product? Because it sounds amazing when you talk about it. And I think that the I think some of the things that were happening when cauliflower rice first came out with all the stuff you talked about, it still sort of tasted like cauliflower, smelled like cauliflower. Um, But I think it's interesting that you've been able to make it act like a grain. 
Yeah. When we, like I said, it was, it, so in 2012, no one, none of the retailers knew what cauliflower rice was. No, yeah. there was nothing on their shelves, but because it took us three years to develop, by the time we were ready to launch, we were starting to see, you know, these fresh cauliflower rice brands, frozen cauliflower rice brands start popping up. But in a way, the nice thing about it was that it didn't affect our, you know, the 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 success we've had with listing right. the product, with with our sales, and I think to to what you were saying, you know, the the I think there are differences in quality, like fresh cauliflower rice and frozen cauliflower rice tastes a lot more like the vegetable. Ours has a different texture. It's almost like people say the texture is similar to grains or something like couscous, and mm-hmm. it has a more neutral taste. I mean, if you have it on its own, if you take a spoonful of it and, and have it on its own, yes, you could detect that it is cauliflower, yeah. but but it has, you know, a significantly less taste and, and smell of the sulfuric glucosinolates that I mentioned earlier, that people are giving it to their kids as a as hidden veg because they the kids don't realize that they're that you know, that they're having vegetables. They think yeah. they're having, you know, a chili con carne with a side of rice and, and things, which is great. So so I think the great thing for us is, at first I was worried that we had to educate a lot of people because like you say, you know, what did, did did we have to tell a lot of people about what our product was, how, how it worked. But I think the lucky thing about it was by the time we were ready to launch, there was this huge surge in this trend for cauliflower rice. Yeah. So it was, in a way, I think, you know, it, it makes me think that perhaps if we were ready three years earlier, we would not have yeah, had the success yeah. we've had. So we've managed to get on the shelves of, in our first 18 months, we managed to get on the shelves of some of the largest U.S. retailers. We're in around 7,000 retailers, including wow. Walmart, Kroger, Target, Whole Foods Market, Publix. And I think that even, and we've managed to do that even with all these other products around. I think there are several reasons why. So I mentioned the quality, but I also think that the fact that we're shelf stable helps because I, a lot of people, I would say two out of 10 people who are very health aware, you know, would, would think, okay, I want to cut down on carbs. So instead of shopping on my usual rice brand, I'm going to go head over to the frozen aisle and pick up some vegetable, uh, vegetable rice. But Eight out of 10 people would be on, you know, shopping that aisle, scanning the aisle for the healthiest product that they have on shelf. And, you know, the great thing is we are the only 100% non-GMO vegetable rice brand on the shelf, zero preservatives, 100% veg. So if you think about, and if you look at our packaging, it clearly communicates like our difference in carbs, it's four grams of carbs versus 40 or 50 of white rice, brown rice, amazing quinoa. So, you know, there, there, there isn't like, it's, it's just miles apart from everything else on shelf. And I think that's really helped us with the early success that we've had. But I think the challenge that we've we've had is because we are not institutionally funded, we we've had to find ways to to get, you know, fi- find the financing to be able to support all these launches. We have never been able to do any major marketing for for the product. But the, I think the great thing about, you know, just the the amount of effort we've had we've had to try and keep the product as clean, you know, clean and uh, without compromising on our vision of what we wanted it to achieve. The great thing is the velocity we're seeing now is simply by just being the healthiest product on shelf. 
So I was going to ask you a couple of questions about that because I think it's interesting. You're in a lot of mainstream retailers and a lot of brands that are in the health and wellness space start with the natural natural food channel. Um, So what was your thinking behind that and how do you feel about having having done it that way? We found ourselves, yeah, definitely. We found ourselves at the deep end of the pool, for sure. We started, because I spend a lot of my time between the UK and the US. And actually, when we started this brand, we started we started it in the UK. And the plan was for me to start bringing it back to, to the US slowly. But then I think word just got her. So when we launched in really similar trend to what we saw in, in, in the States where, you know, in our first year in the UK, we were launched, we were in, in all major supermarkets. The intention was to go slower than what's happened, but we were getting Facebook messages from the Walmart buyer, LinkedIn messages from a crook. You know, it, it was amazing because people were really, really reaching out to the point that I, I wanted to see it definitely isn't the easy route. It's definitely not the easy route, but I knew that the opportunity was out there and I knew the value in becoming, in being a first mover for this product that, you know, we decided to go headlong into, into the conventional channel. But again, the great uh, news with that is the fact that we tried to do, because what I wanted to make sure of was our range of products was accessible to everybody. So not just the more expensive natural channels, but I wanted people to get more vegetables in their diet, even though you were shopping the more conventional, you know, sometimes more price sensitive kind of stores. And I think in a way that strategy worked because I think our pricing makes us accessible enough for everyone that we've worked on the conventional channel. Again, it's very, very early days. So our uh, velocity still, it's doing, it's doing okay as a start, but I, I think that there's so much more room for us to grow if we could tell more people about the product. Because right now what's happening is it's moving off the shelf, mostly from word of mouth and social media. And I think the big opportunity for us with the, distribution footprint we have is it's almost like this sleeping giant, you know, being able to try and find a way to increase awareness, drive trial across Mm -hmm. all these thousands of points of distribution so that your velocity still, you know, continues to move forward. So it's, uh, it's had its challenges in terms of, you know, financing. There have been a lot of pluses, pros on, on yeah, going about it. Like, yeah. Can you talk about the financing a little bit? So are you opposed to traditional capital raising with private equity and stuff? Or like, have you guys just really tried to do it all on your own? Or where are you at with that? So when we started, no, we weren't opposed to traditional financing. I think at the start, when, when we started looking around and we we're pre-concept and no one knew what cauliflower rice was. I think people were seeing us as a very risky, <laughs> just, you know, just a very risky investment. So we were getting a lot of no's, you know, it's, so it's not for lack of trying, you know, when, when we first went out there, I think a lot of people wanted to see that people understood what our product was, that, you know, we were going to get the listings we felt we were going to get. So it was really tricky because I think for a product like this, unlike a salad dressing business, like my previous business, where you can make it in your own kitchen. We, the method that we developed required investment from the start. You couldn't go to a co-packer out there that could make this product for you. You had to, you know, there were certain amounts of investment. The patent also had, was a necessary investment. So we knew from the get-go that we needed financing. 
and no one was interested in at that point in in financing us. So I remember at the, at the time, out of desperation, just really looking around. And, and in the UK, there was an interesting new concept at the time that was kicking off, which was equity crowdfunding. And I remember my husband and I were like, you know, why don't we give it a shot? We don't know, you know, we don't know how how it's going to, if, you know, how successful we're going to be, but what other choice do we have? And the great thing about it is that it was the main source of financing for us the first few years of the business. We've raised around seven million pounds, so that's around ten million dollars through uh, multiple rounds of crowdfunding. I think we are one of the most crowdfunded businesses uh, around, and I think the great thing about that is the people who have invested in uh, the business are people who believe in our vision and what we're trying to achieve. And for me, the exciting thing is we've managed to convince, we have around 3,000 investors who we've managed to convince to buy into what we're trying to do as a business, trying to impact people's health. And it's it's been great because these people... You know, it's a crowdfunding in a way for us. Also, it was helpful because we were able to structure it in a way that we still have very control of the business. You're not worried about 3,000 people telling you what to do. But at the same time, these people trust that you are doing a good enough job to to be able to get Amazing. Brilliant. So So it's been so so structurally, you know, we made it work. But I think the great thing also about it is these people have seen, you know, I I send out these monthly investor newsletters and they've seen us in or through our darkest days, you know, when yeah. and I'm very transparent and very honest going, guys, this didn't work. We had a hard time with this. But then when you have your your successes as well, you know, the amount of support you get from this group, it's fantastic. Great. And these people, you know, tell you that they feel like they're alone on this whole adventure and seeing where the brand is now, they feel personally involved and proud of what we've been able to achieve as a community. It's been really good because it's helped us create this really strong community around, around the business that's helped us not just for financing, but in so many other ways. Yeah, definitely. And I think the, I mean, it's the same with when you're pitching to investors, but probably to do it from a crowdfunding perspective, you had to get so tight and compelling with your story because you weren't, that's really interesting because you already have done that so many times. And I'm sure that makes talking to retailers easier and it has to make talking to consumers easier as well. It it does. Yes. Because you're a, you need to kind of filter it down to something that, you know, you could, you could just get anyone to understand. And, and, and for us, I think the, a lot of, you know, just the numbers speak for themselves in terms mm-hmm. of, if you look at our nutritional comparison versus what else is out, yeah. you know, other things that are out there, but also I think just people are just seeing and are worried about what's happening to people's health and they want Definitely. to do something that can really help, you know, just yeah. contribute. And, and I think we're able to do that, but I think there are other things also about it that in the, in the, first few years of the business that we're seeing, you know, great things like we entered the rice and grains category that is huge, right? It's rice is like the staple food of over half the world's population. Yes. And it's, you know, so it's a massive, massive category. But if you think about, you know, if you look at the, the, the grocery aisle, it's not growing. The great thing about what we've been able to do and, you know, it, is that, 
you, you know, low carb dieting has become a trend. You know, yeah. people are on these keto diets. People are, you know, if you're diabetic and such, you're, you're cutting down on carbs, which include rice and grain. So what's happening is, you know, a lot of people have stopped shopping that aisle. Yes. But what's happened with us is we've found through initial research was that 60% of the sales that we've, we've generated for full grain have been incremental to the rice category. It's from people who have stopped shopping that aisle, like if you're diabetic or on you know low carb or other keto diets, you know, suddenly these people are coming back and shopping that aisle. So it's it's been I think it's been a really good combination of a really strong trade story as well as a very relevant customer need that that we're able to answer. Yeah, I'm sure that that story for retailers is very compelling because that's been the talk for the past few years, how to get people back into the center of the store. It's been yeah, really hard. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. That's so cool. So what, tell me about what, what's next for you guys? What's your, I know you have some innovations that you just launched. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So we, like I said, are, are the great thing about our technologies, we're able to expand and innovate beyond cauliflower. So we have all these, you know, new innovations coming into the market um, in 2022. But on top of that, online, we have launched, you know, we're, we're, able to get a bit more creative with our concepts and try and push the boundaries of what 100% plant-based products are trying to do. Yeah. So for example, we have launched a 100% vegetable-based uh, breakfast called yes. Best Morning Ever. That's the one I wanted you to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that one, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's something that we're, I'm still contemplating. I'm not sure this is one for the conventional channel just yet. So it's something that we, we've launched online. But for me, it's, it's really just trying to push the boundaries of what we're capable of. And the great thing, like I said about earlier with, with our, our process, we're able to remove a lot of the vegetable smells and tastes that when people try the product, they know that they're, it's not quite oatmeal or it's not quite porridge, but they're not sure it's like some other sort of grain, you know, steel cut oats, we get people saying a lot. It's something that we're trying to do uh, to be able to disrupt the, the breakfast just like what we were doing with rice. Because if you think there's so many opportunities out there for these categories that are full of these high carb, high calorie, yeah. high sugar products uh, that, you know, are calling out to be disrupted and, you know, not just for, and, and for us, the whole pool, again, it's just this potential of what you could do to people's, for people's health. You know, so, so yeah, so that's, you know, that's being sold. We were selling that on, uh, on our website, fullgreen.com as well as Amazon. And then, you know, moving forward, you know, we've got a new range of products that we're going to be introducing in early 2022 that we're working with retailers on now. So it's exciting. It's, it's a very, it's, it's the start of our journey, you know, in terms of, you know, introducing the product in, um, here in the U.S. And um, it's, it's, uh, but it's showing some really, really exciting signs. That's cool. I just love it. I love what you guys are doing. I love that you, you, you know, I went on your website. I think your vision is wildly clear and very important. And I think that is not always the case with startups. So I really like commend you for being able to get there so quickly because it makes it easy to understand what it's about. And when you launch a new product, it makes total sense because it's in keeping with the mission of the brand to begin with. Um, so I think that's awesome. And I just wonder, I always ask this, do you have a, any advice you would share with people who are struggling or starting and wondering, like, should I 
do this? What, it, what What's going to happen to me? How am I going to be successful? Yeah, well, you know, that one's, yeah, like I think about that in terms of what I tell myself in terms of like the, you know, just advice, I, well, and that I could offer out to uh, other entrepreneurs out there. You will find, you know, it's not an easy journey. It really, really isn't. You do hear of these success stories where it just takes off from the word go, but that is rare. And I think that, you know, there are going to be days when you really need to dig deep. And I think that if you genuinely believe in what you're trying to achieve, you know, in in your vision, that it's basically just keeping your eye on the prize. You know, if this is what you want to do and if you're able to do it, you can just imagine how fantastic it's going to be and how it's going to impact people's lives. And and I think for for entrepreneurs out there, you know, it's just keeping your eye on the prize, what you want to achieve, and it should give you the strength to be able to push through those dark days. But on top of that, you know, there's always just making sure you have your health, (laughs) your, you know, you will tend to, you know, just, just work day in and day out and realize that, you know, your, you need, you'll need your sleep, you'll need to stay healthy, you'll need exercise to be able to, because I think entrepreneurs' jobs are just so difficult. The whole idea of being a successful entrepreneur is you're not out there to create another me too of something that's already out in the market. You know, the best innovations out there are the ones that change and evolve industries and categories. And that is hard, you know, because you're challenging convention, you're challenging stereotypes. And so for you to be able to do that, it's really, it can be tough, but again, just keep your eye on the prize, stay healthy, get some sleep and just surround yourself with the support of loved ones. So I think that's interesting that you, this is the first, I always feel like I'm never going to hear any new advice because I've talked to a lot of people, but this is the first time anyone has ever said, and I think it's ironic because you are running a health and wellness brand and you were doing it because you care about the health of your family and the rest of the world. And you are telling people that you need to stay healthy and take care of yourself and eat well and exercise. And no one has said that yet, but it's so important because there's so much stress and emotional Completely. stuff, right? So all kinds of things happen from that. Emotional eating sometimes happens. Sometimes you're the one who's stuck and you don't have anything that you can snack on when you need energy that's healthy. And I think that's really interesting. It really is. Yeah, I we totally believe in that. And, and if you look on our website, that is kind of intrinsic to what Full Green is about. You know, the whole point is we're not just about creating, the, you know, just plant-based products. We're, we're about you know, giving you these plant-based products to use as tools so that you, you know, we try and give you these 100% non-GMO veg-based products to give you your health, to be able to give you energy. And, you know, we make these products convenient enough so that you have the time to be able to make the most of that, just enjoying life, using that energy and vitality to make the most of whatever it is that you want to do. You know, so it's it's for for us. We genuinely believe this, and it's what gets me and my team up in the mornings. Uh, so it's nice because it's like it it really is what we do believe as as a business and as a brand. I think that purpose is super important because it is hard. I mean, it's hard to own any kind of business, but especially one where you are changing conventions because we are all creatures of habit, and that is so challenging. So that's really interesting that you're that tapped into that. And, and I think it's a really great vision for a brand. I love it. So I'm really 
thrilled that you shared that with us because it's easy to forget about yourself when you're working so hard and trying to make something happen. But I think maybe it's also out of experience that you find, because I tend to, I can just dive into work and, and just, you know, you realize that you get burnt out. You're not operating at 100%. And in, in the end, it just does you a disservice. You know, yeah. you're not able to operate the way you need to operate to be able to break through these walls and succeed um, as a business. Well, I love your story and I hope that you get to tell it to millions and millions of people. And I love that you did this, the crowdfunding, the way that you did it. I think that's really interesting. And I think that's another great part of your story for potential entrepreneurs, because I don't think that's a traditional way of going about raising capital. And I think when people think about that, they think, well, maybe I could raise a little bit of money that way, but not enough money. But you did a lot of capital raising that way. And that's inspiring because that is all on, in your control. That's you telling your story to people who really care about it and not just people who want to write checks. And I think that's incredible. Thank you. It, it, yeah. It's been, it, for us, I think it's our investors are some of our large, most valuable assets, yes. I, I think, for the business. Again, you know, it, it hasn't been easy because no. you have to convince one person at a time and we had to do this several times and sometimes at points in the business where we've we're up against you know just challenges um but in the end we thankfully succeeded so far with what we managed to do there's still a lot out there in terms of you know just things that we need to achieve as a brand and you know by no means am i saying that we're already out no, no, because no. we're not but i think that we started with a genuine desire to to help improve yeah. people's health and we've stuck to it and thankfully there are people that believe in what we're trying to do yeah that's awesome well thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it i love this interview and i know that my listeners are going to love it as well so inspiring thank you christy i really enjoyed it thank you so much thank you for listening to the irresistible factor i'm christy bridges and i can't wait to see you next wednesday